Welcome to Replenish Your Life, a space to discover how to embody your purpose, strengthen your intuition, and manifest who you truly are. I'm Morgan. And I'm Lucy. And we hope you're ready to embrace your divine design and replenish your life. In today's episode, we're chatting to Danielle Sarank, also known as the Squamish Medium. Danielle is a professional psychic medium, mentor, and educator dedicated to supporting light workers in their journey through fear to clear on their life purpose, passion, and divine gifts and abilities. Residing in the mountain town of Squamish, BC, with her two kids and spiritually skeptical yet supportive husband, Danielle took the leap through fear, leaving her corporate career to serve spirit full-time and has never regretted it for even a moment. Her passion is to help other women take more leaps, choose love over fear, and get excited about life again. Hey, Danielle, thank you so, so much for being here with us. We're really excited to welcome you to this podcast. So we want to jump straight in and ask you about mediumship. I mean, tell us about your journey to becoming a medium. Were you always aware of your gifts or was this something that you tuned into later in life? Tell us about your journey. Yeah, my journey, the way I tell it, it kind of works backwards. I didn't actually realize I had mediumship abilities until I was 31 and I had the birth of my first child. And typically mediumship abilities do come to the forefront after something traumatic, like a death in a family or a birth. Because birth can be quite traumatic. Mm-hmm. But when I finally realized what mediumship was and how I was able to connect, my whole life made sense. I remember back when I was nine years old at my grandmother's funeral, somebody gave me a book by James on Prague. So I was exposed to mediumship quite young. And of course, I love Sylvia Brown and Montel Williams. I recorded every single episode she was on there as a teenager. And of course, John Edwards crossing over. Um, I was really into mediumship as a kid. I read all 42 of Sylvia Brown's books when I was in high school. I joined a paranormal investigation group right out of high school until my mid-20s. I used to spend all my time traveling as a youth, going to like haunted locations around the world. So I was always a bit of a weirdo that like just loves spiritual things and loved mediumship, but I did never believe that it was something that I was able to do. But now looking at the way my life turned out, I just kind of realized that those were just kind of calling cards and like little markings in my life that were meant to get me curious on the path. So, but in truth, I didn't actually step into my abilities until I was 31. Awesome. Yeah, I had a I started getting readings when I was 17, actually mediumship readings. And every medium I went and saw said that I would be doing readings one day. And I just said, no, there's no way. <laughs> <laughs> the life I've led, I'm like, angels won't be speaking to me. me. <laughs> there's a lot I had to kind of overcame to believe that I was worthy mm-hmm. of these abilities, right? Right. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So then your okay, so your first kind of official medium experience, what was that like? And when did that happen? What was yeah, tell us about that. 
Yeah, it was quite intense, but yet so subtle and normal that it was, you would have missed it if you didn't know what was going on. And I had a reading with this woman, it just synchronicity, right? When you're ready, the teacher appears. I had my daughter. I ended up, I have no idea how I got a ticket to watch this lady do a demonstration of mediumship. So a large group reading in Squamish. And I was the first one to get rad. And I thought it was so cool because I had never seen anyone do this other than John Edwards on TV, like 20 years before. And my friend ended up getting me a private reading with her. And she was like, do you know that you have these gifts? And I said, well, everyone's told me that, but I just don't think I do. So she's like, come to my class, just come to my class and just see what happens. I was so convinced I was not a medium that I didn't sign up for her mediumship class. I signed up for her like spiritual development class. And so on the way to class that day, she canceled it. I had to travel 200 kilometers each way to go to this class every month. And she canceled it. And she was like, you know, we're canceling. I'm like, oh, I'm almost there. So she said, just come anyways. We'll just see what happens. And what happened was only me and one other woman showed up. And so she just had me sit down just saying, I just want to try something with Danielle. Danielle, just like sit, close your eyes, take a breath and tell me what you see. And so all I saw at that moment were like shadows, but then what we call claircognizance kicked in. There was a knowing that kicked in. I was like, I feel like there's like a grandmother and a young man. And then she was like, okay. And then I said, can I say a name? And she said, yeah, please just say whatever you get. And I said, I'm getting a name like Dustin. And then the other woman like gasped and she grabbed me and her eyes were just like so desperate. And I got really scared in that moment because I saw really the responsibility of mediumship. I was like, whoa, like this woman is in a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. And it turned out she had just lost her son, Justin a couple months before to an overdose and it was like a very tragic loss for her and so it happened so easily for me I was able to tune in with her grandmother but I was really scared at that moment of getting things wrong because I saw what was on the line Mm -hmm. and so I left that experience like elated because I was like, whoa, like I actually do have something here, but whoa, there's a ton of responsibility. So me being the Virgo son that I am, I was like, well, I'm not going to go do this until I nail this. And so I ended up taking a, it really seriously, my development. And I kind of made a vow to the world of spirit. Like I will definitely see what this work is all about, but I promise like I'm not going to misuse it and I'm not going to just like put myself out there. So I ended up making this like kind of crazy goal of doing 150 practice readings before I would go do readings for money or, you know, put myself out there, put my name out there. And it, it actually ended up taking me three years to reach 150 readings, <laughs> which I didn't suspect, but I'm like, yeah, it's a lot of readings. Yeah. <laughs> That was my first connection. And it was so easy and it was so subtle that I would have missed it any other time without a teacher kind of like guiding me through, no, that's mediumship. I'm like, that's it. Mm-hmm. She's like, that's it. I'm like, well, that's my whole life. Wow. So yeah, probably. Right. Wow. Right. And, and, you know, when you were saying that I actually got like little tingles up my arms. It's so interesting just to hear you talk about it. It's, it's really magical. And, you know, uh, I, we wanted to ask you a bit more about, to go into a bit more detail about some of those fears that came mm-hmm. up for you as you were beginning. Cause you know, there, there's a lot of, um, well, there's a lot of uh, misconceptions out there about mediumship and what it is and what it isn't. And, you know, can you talk to us a bit more about that and how you overcame those fears? 
Yeah. I mean, I'm, I love fears. Like it's my favorite topic. So you guys <laughs> have spoken to my heart because I'm a teacher in this. And so this is something I work all about with my students, but the number one fear is getting it wrong, mm-hmm. right? Like you, you really want to be correct in whatever you're translating on behalf of the world of spirit, because spirit for some divine design, they don't speak to us very literally. It is like a game of charade. You feel things, you hear things, you see things, you know things. And they have to use your worldly references mm-hmm. to get something across. So that's kind of, I say, a prerequisite for mediumship is a, a life well lived because you need to have a lot of different references to, to call upon. And so when you're first starting, you're wrong a lot and it really sucks because it really is... Um, a bruise to the ego. It is something that every medium has to kind of walk through and learn how to live harmoniously with their ego. It's not about combating the ego, but being wrong and getting information wrong is really hard. At first, when you're developing, it's hard from an egoic lens. And then you kind of transform into a bit of a people pleaser. And then you're really sad that the sitter didn't get the experience of correct information. And then as you transform even more as a medium, then you start worrying about letting the world of spirit down. Right. So there's like different phases of this one fear that you kind of go through, depending on how, you know, how far along you are. And then there comes a point where you're just like, you just get out of your own way. You just literally say, I work for spirit and I show up as my best version of myself and I'm doing the absolute best I can. And I just hope I make the world spirit proud. And so it took me about seven years to really transcend that fear and just kind of like show up on behalf of the world of spirit, not worrying about what my sitter's experience was as much as, you know, keeping with the world of spirit. That was the kind of the trick on how I transcended that fear. I'm like, you work for spirit, just stick with them and get your ego out of the way actually do a bit of a visualization because I work in my bedroom it's my favorite room in my house mm-hmm. it's my choice and I have a beautiful mountain view at my window so like I have it situated where oh, I really like it perfect and I actually, yeah. yeah and I actually kind yeah. of visualize and I say a little prayer before I go into my readings just say you know I ask my ego just to step aside thank you for everything that you do for me up to this point you just don't have a role here today mm-hmm. and we'll hook up later right and so I actually visualize mm-hmm. my shadow self kind of just playing on the bed while I do my sessions <laughs> Oh my gosh. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I would say that that's the number one fear that people have with mediumship is getting it wrong. And of course that, that one fear is tied to your reputation and especially early on, like you're still trying to prove this ability to yourself. So of course, you know, unfortunately you do have to give a bit of your power away to be validated by external sources that you know Mm -hmm. what you're doing right? Mm, It's a a fine balance. You know, I always say to people, when you're on the mediumship development path, you're also on the healing path. Mm -hmm. And like when spirit hears a declaration, like I ready to develop as a medium, they hear she's ready to heal. So you will have all the shadowy stuff that comes up that you haven't quite dealt with as you're developing. Yes. Yeah. And you, so, so as you were, you were mentioning the sitter, so that is the, the client that you're giving a reading to. Yeah. 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 Um, so I imagine they also, that person also has some sort of um, responsibility as well that they bring to the session with you. And, you know, have you, have you experienced uh, like a client having like a major transformation after a reading and, you know, or that connection with them, do, do they need to be really open in order for, you know, more information to flow through or how does, 
Can can you explain a little yeah, more about definitely. that? Yeah. yeah, every reader works very differently. Like I don't like attracting skeptics. I don't get very many skeptics. I find okay. it easier to read people, people who just come really open-hearted, right. and really open-minded. And then it's easier for me to connect with them. Other people I know really like working with skeptics. They like the prove me, prove me, prove me. That is energy draining for me. So I don't really attract yeah. those kind of clients. Right. So the clients that I do attract to my practice are really open-hearted. They're just kind of curious. And in truth, because I'm a teacher, most of the people who are attracted just kind of want to test me out and kind of experience me because they want to study under me. So a lot of the transformations that I see are actually from the people who receive validation that I can connect. I kind of know what I'm doing here and that they want to kind of learn how I do what I do. So the people who typically study under me, almost all of them end up doing this work professionally, whether it's part-time or full-time. So there's a ton of transformation there. That's why I named my mentorship package metamorphosis, because I will get the most shy in the closet corporate person. And then after three months of working with me, they're like, they have an Instagram page up. They're like doing reading. <laughs> they're considering their path. But when it Amazing. comes to yeah, it's a lot of fun. I love the teaching. I knew the second I knew how to do this, I wanted to, to teach this in a really kind of practical, no BS way. When it comes to mediumship, though, when you're working with a broken heart, when you're working with somebody who is grieving the loss of a loved one, there's definitely transformation there. I like to tell the world of spirit, I want a client to see me once and never have to see me again. Mm -hmm. By the time that they leave my presence, I want them to be so assured that their loved one is with them every single minute, every single day, and they have the ability to connect and feel the presence of their loved one themselves. And so I actually have a, a, a policy in my business. I don't let people get more than one mediumship reading a year because I don't want people to be reliant on me to connect with their loved ones because what they don't understand, they don't hang around me. Like you bring your loved one to me. And so I really like to work on behalf of the world of spirit in a really empowering way. That's why I don't do psychic readings. I don't do these kind of like fortune teller. I'm going to tell you what to do with your life readings. They just completely turn me off. Mm-hmm. And so I've had a lot of people like really upset in my readings. that I don't do stuff like that. but. Again, once I got super clear on how I wanted to serve and who I wanted to serve, I don't attract people like that anymore. But yeah, I see people leave mediumship readings really feeling confident that their loved ones are with them and that they're just in a different state. But some of the evidence that spirit's able to bring me is quite magical because they're able to tell me things that will happen in the future for them, like just little like nuancey things. And then they're able to get evidence after they leave my session that their loved one is still there. So they just feel comforted, right? It's a big healing part of the grieving process. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's so, so powerful. Um, And I love how you described that, Danielle. I I was wondering if for, just for our listeners, if you could, from your perspective, tell us about the difference between, you know, say intuition and then mediumship and psychic abilities. Yeah, no, I'm excited to answer this. So mediumship is a three-way link. So mediumship is me, the worker of spirit, the spirit world, and then the sitter. So you need that three-way link to be able to have a mediumship connection. Mm -hmm. And as mediums, we have to build our power. It's called sitting in the power, building our power to be able to like strengthen this three-way link. So it doesn't really matter how our sitter comes. They might be standoffish, not as open. We would still be able to connect 
with this three-way link as we build our power. And as the session goes along, it builds and builds and builds and becomes more palpable and tangible. So mediumship is really, you know, geared towards proving or evidence that life continues, that this is not it. Um, healing. So there's like a deep healing that takes place when we create this container of like spiritual energy and then also spiritual philosophy. So those are kind of like the three reasons in which I feel is like the purpose behind mediumship. Mm -hmm. When it comes to intuition, I see it as just like an inside job. Like we all have intuition and we all ignore our intuition. Like (laughs) even though I know I'm intuitive and like this is my life's work, I still will go against my intuition. And I tell people that that's okay because you actually don't know what right feels like until you experience wrong. Mm-hmm. So you have to go through times of your life that you kind of fall on your face and you, and you get it wrong because then next time you're going to know how to do it better. Right. Oprah says like, when you know better, you do better. And so intuition to me is really an inside job as women. I see a lot of barriers to trusting intuition around the solar plexus, around the self-worth, the confidence. And so if I could give any woman a tip when it comes to developing intuition, it's like get a healthy AF solar plexus. Mm. know your worth right do a worthiness practice and just trust yourself completely Mm. so intuition to me is like an inside job when it comes to psychic it's a two-way reading it's me reading the energy in front of me Mm. so mediumship information comes from behind me I'm clairsentient which is clear feeling which means I can feel where the energy is coming from that's how I can tell I have signs with spirit how I could tell the relationship with the sitters because they go to a different place around my body depending on who they are, if they're mom or grandma or whatever. Wow. Cool. And so when I'm doing psychic information and in a mediumship reading, it's 45 minutes. There will always be mediumship, but there'll also be some psychic. I like to call it soul reading mm-hmm. psychic because words carry such a vibration. It just kind of has a weird vibration to it. So I call them soul readings. So the way I describe it to people, it's a two way link. I read the energy of the person in front of me. There is no wrong answer in life. You can't F this up. I always say it's like those, those, books in school that you used to read the choose your own adventure where you're like, go to chapter seven. If you want to go here, go to chapter eight. This is exactly what it's like. You're going to end up where you're going to end up. It's just, you're going to have a different story to tell depending on what choices you make in life. Mm -hmm. So I always tell people, I feel into three paths. There's a path of apathy, like no movement. There's a path of greatest resistance. And then there's a path of joy. Mm -hmm. So I'm always into what's the path of joy. Cause I want to leave, I want people to leave my presence excited about their life. And so I'm able to kind of tune into what may bring somebody a little bit more joy but typically what spirit brings to me because I'm not into the fortune telling is they will tell me why this person wants to give me their power like what is the trigger source that they lost trust in themselves like who influenced this on them who made them feel that they weren't worthy of listening to their inner guidance system so I kind of get to that really kind of deep layered stuff and kind of come up with that trigger source for people so I call them soul readings and typically by the time I'm done letting this person know what I'm seeing is kind of like their barrier to like really trusting themselves and living this huge, magical, powerful life They're They are, they know what decision that they want to make. Right. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's amazing. That is amazing. And I love how you focus on the path of joy and what it is that's blocking them. Like how, oh, how, how empowering that is for each person to, to feel that and hear that. Oh my gosh. Yeah, but you will get clients that literally just want you to tell them what to do. Mm-hmm. So it's like a lot of some yeah. don't appreciate that. Some people want the old school style reading, which I think is 
I mean, of course, if you tell someone that's what you're going to do, they're going to go do it. So of course you're going to be predicting their future. So it's just, I just don't buy it. I just don't buy those readings, right? They, they completely turn me off. I would love to go through life having someone to tell me what to do all the time, but (laughs) that's not what life's about. Yeah. So how did it get to that feeling point of clairsentient where you um, were able to notice things in your body or, um, you know, get those messages? Could you tell us a little more about that? Definitely. Yeah, this is like the healing journey, right? So this is how come I say when you say to spirit, I want to be a worker for you. They're like, well, I hear she's ready to heal. And the truth is, you know, I suffered an abuse when I was really young. And I completely avoided my body for most of my life. And then as a woman, I had four miscarriages trying to have my children. And I just I didn't trust my body. I was just like, even when I had my daughter going to the hospital, I did not think I was coming home with a baby. And so my whole pregnancy with her, I completely ignored the fact I was pregnant. I wouldn't look at my belly. I was completely, because I was just expecting to lose her. Like I've lost all the others. And so there was a big time in my life where I just ignored my body just ignored it. It was like my life worked from my neck up. Right. And so when I stepped into my mediumship abilities and I started to really uncover the code of the language of spirit, which is what I call it. I'm not the only one that calls it that, but you know, the Claire's the language of spirit. I realized that I am a stronger, better medium with healed stuff, right? like doing the healing. So I had to really learn how to love my body again and how to like connect in with my body to be able to perceive the energy of spirit around me. So that was a big healing journey for me. I, you know, I, I'm a strong proponent of like counseling. I'm, I think everyone should go through counseling. I get counseling every other week I have for years and I will for years to come because you, you need to look at yourself. You need to do this work. You have to do the work yeah. or else it's all going to be surface. You're not going to be able to go deep enough into spirit. But what, what the beauty is with being a light worker is everything that you think is a flaw in yourself is actually going to benefit you in your readings. Mm-hmm. Like because of the experiences that I've had, I'm able to pick up on abuses, abuses really easily. So I'm able to kind of uncover a lot of pain points for women because I'm able to perceive that because that's part of my life experience. I'm able to see the disconnection with the body and the plain like apathy towards it because I have experienced that myself. So everything that I experience in my life, whether it's appeared to be full of shame or, or full of like, you know, dislove, it's not, it's actually part of my path because I'm meant to help other people through the experiences that I had. And so I had to learn to be my best friend and learn to love myself. And, you know, it's a journey. I'm definitely there. Like I do love myself and I've carried two babies now and I have two babies in my arms. I always say I'm the mother to six, but I hold two. And so I just, you got to get over your stuff, right? You got to heal. And it is an inside job. Nobody else will ever make you feel more worthy than you can make yourself feel. It's a claim. It's nobody gives you worthiness. It's a declaration. And so it's, it's a big inside healing job and you have to look at your stuff. You have to look at your past. You have to forgive. You have to forgive people who crossed you and you have to forgive yourself most of all. And so I've done a lot of that work over the past seven years as I've kind of like stepped into this path. Mm. You know, I just want to thank you for saying that because for all of it, actually, it's such a beautiful reminder. So Mm. I was wondering if we could, um, do a little shift 
you know, we understand from your podcast and and from your your blog that you had a successful corporate career, mm-hmm. and it'd be really interesting to hear from your perspective what it's like to leap from corporate into working for yourself full time as a medium. What's that like? It was the scariest thing I've ever done in my life, <laughs> <laughs> ever, and it it took me a long time to do it, and I've never experienced more magic in my life than actually doing the thing that scared me the most. And this is how come I love talking about fear because I know it lays on the other side of that fear. Mm -hmm. I know that by not doing what you most want to do, you are living your worst case scenario every single day. It doesn't get worse. It can't get worse than not doing the thing. So I'm very passionate about this topic. I had, you know, out of high school, I started working in the motorsports industry. Actually, I worked for international national race teams and I did that up until I was 27. And then I entered the corporate world where I, you know, I'm 37 now just to give some context, but um, 38 almost, I'm ago. So <laughs> I got into the corporate world with an organization that I absolutely loved. It was an Indigenous health and healing organization. I'm a First Nations Canadian woman. I'm Swampy Cree. And so it was a, it was a corporate career that was really full of purpose. And it was in alignment for me for a very long time. And in truth, it was a huge part of my path to really see what I was made of because I didn't go to college. Um, I didn't get a higher education. I actually could not stand school. And that's actually something something a lot of mediums experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you will rarely find a medium with like a PhD. Wow. It's a, I don't know. It's just one of those little trademarks. So I spent a lot of my adult life thinking I was not intelligent. And because I'm such a happy person and I've always been, uh, you know, had a really positive bias. I've had people, you know, pin me down as being flighty or not intelligent because I am so happy and positive. My first husband was always like that. And I would have to say, don't confuse happiness with stupidity because, you know, but that really created a complex in myself that I wasn't intelligent. So then I entered the corporate world really kind of like low on the totem pole, like, so to speak, I shouldn't say about this organization, but, you know, pretty low on the totem pole, but I just kind of like skyrocketed through the organization, just through my work and my work spoke for itself. And I was very high in demand there. I was promoted through the ranks over seven years and I felt really important there. It was really good for my ego and it really allowed me the skill set to talk to people at all levels of life from the CEO down to the community people who were helping. And it gave me a skill set that really helps me in my mediumship reading. Because I tell people there's two skills to doing this work. There's the connection, but then there's working with the public. And I feel that that corporate career really helped me work for the public. So in going up those ranks, you know, my income kept going up and the benefits kept going up and the pension kept going up. But in truth, when I left for my first maternity leave in 2013, and I came back and I had spent that year in Canada. We get a year and then my company, they paid us for the year. We got a whole year pay um, off work for maternity leaves. I knew I wasn't going to be there forever. I was like, there's no way. Like the spirit work is just like way too cool. Like I can't sit here to desk. So this was like, you know, seven years in the making this kind of leap. So I actually kept turning down promotions because I didn't want the golden handcuffs, so to speak. Mm. But I would, they're like, oh, we want you to be manager. I'm like, I don't want to be manager. I would get a letter saying, you are now manager. Here's back pay. <laughs> like, I just like, I just kept getting like these promotions. And so it got harder and harder and harder and harder. And then finally in um, 2018, I switched. I kept, I just was so unsatisfied. I was like, how, I have it all here. Like, how could I not be just jumping from the rooftops? I have it so made here. I could stay here until I retire. <clears throat> 
And then I kept switching positions because I was just trying to find my joy. I was so discontent. I was overeating. I was overspending. I was like surrounding myself with material things because I was so discontent. Yet I was doing the mediumship work on the side on weekends, having two young kids at home. My kids right now are three and six, just to give you a bit of context there. So I ended up switching positions into one that I ended up having a very toxic boss. Hmm. And um, she was uh, like nothing I've ever experienced in my life. Hmm. And in the organization, I was the 38th hire. So it was very grassroots. And by the time I left, there's over 1200 people. So I had grown exponentially. And so I ended up having, we went to a work retreat and she was just something else. Hmm. I'm like the mining industry hmm. and like we're an indigenous organization. Like she just didn't get it. Right. And yeah, I ended up leaving this work retreat in my car, pulled over on the side of the highway, and I was just crying and sobbing. I was just so overwhelmed with like disdain and anger and just so out of alignment. And I ended up in hospital two days later with heart palpitations. And it turned out I had my first ever anxiety attack. Oh, and I'd never had one before. I was in a heart monitor for a month. I was taken out of work for three months. I couldn't do readings, couldn't do anything. Mm. And so that was kind of like my first aha moment during that three months off where I was like, why couldn't I do this full time? Mm. And I was trying to do the math. I was like, I'm working like 40 hours plus like seven hours commuting. I mean, I could only work nine hours a week and like make the same money. But that was a really scary thing for me because my husband doesn't really believe in this kind of stuff. So when he saw my pros and cons chart, he like freaked out. <laughs> so it was kind of like <laughs> off the table for a while. And then when I went back to work, I gained, I quit right away after day two of going back, I quit. And my CEO ended up taking me out for lunch and he's like, how do we convince you to stay? What do you need? And I made this really hard bargain. I want to work for this person. I don't want to work full time and I want to work at home. And they gave me everything. They're like, okay. Wow. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I didn't expect it to work. I was expecting to leave and they, they gave it all to me. So then I tried it out for another year, but my heart was just so set on leaving. And I just kind of had to get over the fear back then. I couldn't comprehend that I could get nine people that would want to work with me a week. And that's just to like survive. That's not even like thrive levels. That's to survive. And plus giving up the benefits, plus giving up the pension plan. And so I went through my last year there Again, I had it all. Like there was nothing to complain about. I was just so unhappy. I was just like, you know, telling them I'm I know I'm good at what I do and like you guys love me and I'm so valued here, but I'm just so unhappy. I have to make this leap because I literally feel like I'm I'm choking. Like I literally felt suffocated in life. And so it actually happened at the very worst time it could have possibly happened for me because it wasn't, I wasn't set up to do this, but just one day I just said to them, I have to go. I'm just giving you my one month notice and I'm just going to make this leap. And the best advice I heard from one of my mentors was you'll just have to do scare. Like you have to stop looking for these certainties and these guarantees that this is going to pan out. You just have to kind of trust. And so I told the world of spirit, I actually had a bit of a dry spell with clients for the seven weeks before I resigned. And I just said to them, I'm doing it anyways. And I don't need no guarantees. I know I'm meant to be doing this. And I resigned. And it was almost like the whole world was waiting for me to go full time wow. because it, I mean, my career just completely took off after that. And I mean, I have like a 40 plus wait list for people with readings and until November, December. Like it's just nuts. And so, yeah, it, it was a really congratulations. Hard- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. 
Yeah. I mean, it was the scariest, hardest thing I've ever done. Um, and it was worth everything. It was worth everything. And it happened at the exact perfect time. It, it wouldn't have happened a year earlier and panned out the same. Um, and I actually quit three weeks before quarantine. <laughs> oh my goodness. So that was a whole, then I became a stay at home mom too, while I was like launching this online business <laughs> with a kid that was three and six. So it's wow. been a, it's been a year, but one of the best years of my life. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And, and what, like, I just love how, you know, in your story, you, you're, you, you connected and stuck with what your soul really wanted. Like, you know, cause it, it, it would have been easier. Yeah, sure. You could stay in corporate job maybe, and, you know, have everything taken care of, but it didn't really feed your soul. And for you to like, ugh, that's so courageous to, to, to take that step and to, and then how everything kind of falls into place as you, mm. you know, you, you make that decision and you're like, I'm going forward, I'm doing this. Yeah. Um, well, I work in, I work in mortality. Like I'm end of life doula. Plus I'm a medium. I know at the end of life when we're at the end of our days and we're in our bed, we don't have a wallet. We don't have a set of keys. We, we have no worldly possessions. We are literally alone with our own thoughts. We are alone with what have we done with our life? And there is no way, like I could die tomorrow and I would die a happy, fulfilled, purposeful person. And I, there was no way I was willing to get to the end of my life regretting not doing this. Yeah, no, that's great. Wow. Um, and so I just wanted to mention, uh, you, you, you mentioned about being a Virgo sun. So do you know, um, do you know your rising, uh, rising sign and your moon sign as well? Yeah, I'm a Scorpio yeah. rising and Sag moon. Oh, awesome. very cool. <laughs> yeah, that's a fun. That's a fun coming. So, <laughs> right? yeah. And then also too, Lucy and I talk a lot about human design. And do you are you familiar with your human design? I'm a Manny Jenny. Yay! Same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's fun. I think I'm like a three six rising phoenix. Okay, oh. solar emotional. <laughs> solar oh, awesome. emotional. So, yeah. yeah. All right. That's, well, that's you're in. Yeah, you're in good <laughs> company, and that you know to me that explained like. Um, when you said you're a manifesting generator and Virgo sun, I was like, oh my gosh, I can see how <laughs> the story of your life. I can see all that in there. <laughs> it's amazing. So yeah, well, what, um, well, first of all, um, we want to ask, where can people find you? Online? Yeah, my website is squamishmedium.com. Okay. Um, and on, I mostly hang out on Instagram. I absolutely mm-hmm. love Instagram. So I'm Squamish Medium at Instagram. I'm very active in the stories. Um, and of course, pretty feed, real stories, I always call it. <laughs> <laughs> and on Facebook, I'm, Danielle, I'm the only Danielle Serank in the world, according to Facebook. So it's really easy to find my business page. Just look up Danielle Serank and you'll see Squamish Medium there as well. Awesome. I mean, I absolutely love your Instagram. You have the most amazing feed. And one of the things I love so much about you, Danielle, is your sense of humor. You have these amazing meme Mondays that just make me <laughs> laugh so much. So thank you for doing that. I love it. Um, yeah, I try and- to bring like, uh, re- like, you know, groundedness to this work, right? Yeah. So it's so important. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Danielle, okay. to to bring this um, this amazing conversation to a close, we obviously we want to thank you, and uh, we have one final question that we just want to ask you. So, what replenishes you? What replenishes me? 
you know, it's kind of two things that replenish me a little bit differently. My sessions really light me up. Like they really would give me energy and feed me. Um, it's something that people don't really understand. Everyone's like, oh, it must be so draining. I'm like, no, I'm like, my kids are draining. <laughs> like, I love them to bits, but like, they're like life suckers, right? I love them to bits, but hard work. Any, any moms out there are like, yes, raise a glass. <laughs> but my readings actually give me a ton of energy. They light me up because I'm able to sense the world of spirit around me. Even when I do podcast interviews like this, it's like I can feel spirit around me, inspiring me. And I just like that connection just like lights me up. It fuels me. It brings me so much joy. Nothing else gives me the same amount of joy as that. So in that way, it does replenish me. But I'm also because I talk a lot, um, a lot because I have a podcast, YouTube channel, and we have my podcast spirit school, I should probably plug as well. <clears throat> Um, you know, I really like spending time alone, quiet, Mm. right? I like being quiet. Like even after this, I'm going to go drop my kids off and I'm going to have to go take my paddleboard to a lake that's just across the street from my house and probably going to spend, you know, an hour or two on the lake before I head into my sessions. And so living this life that I get to choose to do this and only take on two sessions and like get to spend the rest of the day by myself, like that choice is true wealth. And like that replenishes me that makes me feel completely in alignment and it makes me feel like I am living a life of purpose every single moment, even when I'm not making a direct impact on anyone else. It's, it's everything. My whole, my life's magic is complete magic and I don't take any a second of it for granted. Amazing. Beautiful. So awesome. Thank you so much, Danielle, for being a guest on our podcast and thank you for sharing your wisdom and all these beautiful stories and, um, and ways that people can, you know, um, empower themselves and connect with their guidance, inner guidance. So thank you so much. We appreciate you. Thanks. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. If you'd like to learn more about Danielle Serenk, the Squamish medium, you can go to squamishmedium.com or follow her on Instagram at Squamish Medium. For complete episode show notes and all the links mentioned throughout this episode, check out replenishyourlife.buzzsprout.com. For more information on classes, meditations, and community events to help you replenish your life and to sign up to receive bi-monthly transformational content, check out bit.ly forward slash replenishing life. You can also find us by searching for Replenishing Life Project on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review for the Replenish Your Life podcast. In our next episode, we're talking to human design coach and mentor, Kim Gould about reclaiming your divine feminine power using asteroids in human design. 